The Bible has a lot to say about money and wealth. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave of the lender. The good leave an inheritance to their children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. Precious treasure remains in the house of the wise, but the fool devours it. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, and in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Jesus says more about money or wealth than he does almost any other topic except for the kingdom of God. No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And he said to them, Take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. In fact, 16 out of 38 of Jesus' parables deal with money and possessions. Nearly 25% of Jesus' words in the New Testament deal with biblical stewardship. One out of every 10 verses in the Gospels deal with money. In total, there are more than 2,000 verses on tithing, money, and possessions in the Bible, which is twice as many as faith and prayer combined. So why do we shy away from the topic of money in the church? Any mention of stewardship has folks looking for the nearest exit. When pledge season comes around, we find it hard to find givers, folks who have generous hearts or who see the value in giving, willing to talk about why they give both inside and outside the church. I have been in church after church where the rector feels more comfortable discussing our political climate than he or she does their people's finances. Why is it that discussing death in a church feels more comfortable than discussing our monthly budget? or our financial priorities, or our charitable giving. Our faith touches every aspect of our lives. Christianity, if lived into fully, is transformational. Nothing is off limits. Our belief changes who we are. Our faith transforms how we live. Christian discipleship involves changes to our lifestyle, our political views, our sex life, and yes, to our money. Is it uncomfortable? You betcha. But this is the struggle we face as Christians. God wants us, all of us, even the parts we'd rather he ignore or not touch, or the things our heart of hearts guards way too closely. And the only way to become true disciples is to allow God into the deepest, darkest parts of our soul. There is no halfway. There is no lukewarm. Being rich is not a sin. In today's parable, the man is not called foolish for being rich or even for making plans to hold on to his wealth. In the story of Joseph, we hear that God sends dreams to Pharaoh telling him that they would have three years of abundant crops followed by three years of famine and to store food for the lean years. Abraham, David, Solomon... All of these men were rich and saved their wealth. 
In Proverbs, we hear lesson after lesson about saving up, not going into debt, and leaving an inheritance to our children. Jesus will tell the parable of the king, who doesn't count the cost before building a tower. Paul will rely on the wealth of Lydia. Being rich, saving money, is not a sin. The man's sin is his greed. This man has been blessed with a bumper crop. Scripture says, the land of a rich man produced abundantly. Yes, he probably planted crops. Yes, he either worked the fields or hired folks to work the fields. But what this man fails to acknowledge is that his good fortune came from sources outside of himself. The land of this man produced abundantly. As we say at 8 o'clock, all things come of thee, O Lord. He has forgotten the source of his abundance. And as much as he likes to think it was due to his hard work or his smart thinking, Scripture says it has very little to do with him. Because this man has forgotten where everything comes from, the air we breathe, our physical bodies, and yes, his bumper crop, this man cannot see beyond himself. He doesn't give his first fruits back to God. He does not give some of the extra to the hungry or the immigrant or the widow as Deuteronomy demands. Instead, he decides to pull down his barns and build bigger ones. And then he says, I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. Speaking to himself, this man quotes scripture. He quotes Isaiah 22, verse 13. But instead there was joy and festivity, killing oxen and slaughtering sheep, eating meat and drinking wine. Let us eat and drink. But this man doesn't seem to remember the last line of that verse. The last verse that all the Jews hearing this story would call to mind when hearing this parable. See, that verse goes, let us eat and drink. For tomorrow we die. God does not need your money. If he did, he would just take it and there would be a small, greasy spot where you once stood. God does not tell us to be generous to others for their own good either. But God knows that we have a tendency to get greedy. Our animalistic side wants to hold on to as many resources as possible. We want to know we have enough food to keep us set during the winter. We want to do everything possible to preserve our life here on earth. But here's the thing. Our lives here on earth are not the most important thing. Because tomorrow we die. Tonight, our lives could be demanded from us. And he who dies with the most stuff is still dead. As the bishop said, I've never seen a U-Haul trailer hooked to the back of a hearse. And once death comes for you, the state of your soul will matter a whole lot more than what you stored in those barns. We live in Florida, which means that all of y'all have seen water. We're blessed with an amazing river, with springs, and with the ocean. This is all moving, living water. But we've also seen what happens when water gets stuck. Whether it be the water in an uncared-for swimming pool, or a retention pond, or a swamp. Water that doesn't move has a certain smell, a certain look, 
and certain things that grow on top. Water that doesn't move gets scummy. People who don't remember where their wealth comes from, people who aren't generous with the abundance in their life, get scummy. And this isn't just limited to those who are rich or who had a bumper crop this year. People who make wealth their highest pursuit, folks who focus so much on money that they lose track of everything or everyone else, those who fail to have a generous heart, these people will get scummy. And God doesn't want to see that happen to you. You can try to withhold that part of your life from God. You can try to say, I know more about money management than God. God didn't have index funds or Bitcoin or his Series 7 license. But this isn't really about your money or your return on investment or even how much you give to charity or to the church. This is about your soul. And you can meet with a financial advisor. You can fully fund your Roth IRA from the age of 22. And you can tell your soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But just remember the next line. For tomorrow, we die. <laughs>